Father God, would you please speak to us now, we pray, through your word. And would you set us free, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please be seated. Well, we're going to be looking at that passage from Galatians uh, that Giles read. It's uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the sort of the second reading after, well, the reading after the psalm on our yellow sheets. Verse 1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Paul gets passionate here because it's at the very heart of the gospel, the very heart of the good news. It's about freedom from a religion of obedience to the law. He is writing to people he loves, people who have heard his message. They've come to believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. They have put their trust in him and they have received forgiveness and acceptance. They have become part of God's family and they've received the Holy Spirit and it has all been as gift. They realise there is nothing they have done to deserve it, nothing they have done to earn it. It is a gift that God has freely given to them. But, but now teachers are coming to the church and are telling them that they're not proper Christians. They're telling them that if they want to be proper Christians, then they must follow certain rules. In their case, they're saying you need to be circumcised. Uh, 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 and Paul goes bananas, actually. If you read through chapter 5, he goes bananas. He's furious. He tells the Christians to whom he is writing that if they accept that teaching uh, 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 and if the men are circumcised, then they're going back in order so that they can become, become proper Christians. Then they're going back to a false religion which says that if you want God to love you, then you must follow all the rules. Imagine a baby who is adopted. Uh, he was chosen by a couple. He did nothing to deserve or earn that choice. But they said to him, and they stood and went and swore in front of a judge, that from now on they would love him unconditionally and he would be a member of their family. But that child grows and he goes to school and then someone at school comes and tells him he isn't really a member of that family. That to be a member of that family he has to deserve his parents' love. That they will only love him and let him be a member of his family if he does all the washing up, cleans the flat, is exemplary at school, and gets patiorkas, gets fives in all his exams. And so he starts to do all the washing up, 
at all the cleaning. And he works really hard at school. He was a son, but he has become a slave. Listen, says Paul, when God welcomed you into his family, when God made you his son and daughter, it was absolutely free. He chose you, he loved you, he forgave you. It cost him so much to forgive you. It cost him the death of his son on the cross. Forgiveness is not cheap. But he has forgiven you. And he brought you into his family. He gave you his Holy Spirit. And it was all free. So please do not go back into the way of thinking that says that now, having received the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the grace of God, the Holy Spirit of God, simply as a gift, that you need to earn God's love by following certain rules. And in the next list, I'm going to say some pretty radical stuff. Some of it is radical, some of it isn't. But, you know, you don't need to cross yourself this way, or that way, or not cross yourself in order to earn God's love. You don't need to pray to Jesus in front of icons, or not pray to Jesus in front of icons to earn God's love. You don't need to give. You don't need to tithe. You don't even need to come to church to earn God's love. You don't need to confess your sins. You don't need to fast in order to earn God's love. You don't need to read your Bible every day or even ever read your Bible in order to earn God's love. You don't even need to be good or half good or even a teeny weeny weeny bit good in order to earn God's love. To say that we need to earn God's love and blessing by keeping the rules, by being good, by following the law, is wrong in so many ways. I mean, first of all, what parent is like that? What parent says to their child, I will only love you if you keep all my rules and do all the washing up? I mean, our son's room is a mess. It drives us to distraction. We may threaten him with many things if he doesn't tidy his room. Public humiliation in church. <laughs> public execution. <laughs> but actually, it doesn't make him any less our son or love him less. And even if he went off and said that he hated us and never wanted to speak to us again, it would hurt like hell, but it would not make him any less our son. And if we think that we can earn God's love and that it all depends on me, on me being good enough or religious enough or prayerful enough for God? How can I ever know if I have been good enough for God? Is that enough 
good enough for God? Is that enough good enough for God? Is that enough good enough for God? And let's be honest, the rules that we set ourselves don't nearly go far enough. They, they just deal with the outward stuff, what we do. Jesus says that if we want to live by rules, then God's rules apply to our thoughts. He doesn't just say, don't commit adultery. He says, don't lust. He doesn't just say, don't commit murder. You know, most of us, I guess, here could say, yeah, that's okay, we've done that one. <laughs> he then says, don't hate another person. But you might say, aren't you then saying that Christians can do whatever they want? Aren't you offering a very cheap Christianity, what, what Bonhoeffer called cheap grace? What about our gospel reading from Luke 9 about following Jesus to the cross, whatever the cost, the rejection we can expect, not having anywhere to lay our head, and putting Jesus even before our parents? Well, no. Because Paul wants us to be free from a religion of the law, but he also wants us to be free from the desires of the flesh. He wants us to be free from the slavery to what he calls the works of the flesh, or simply self-indulgence. Do not, he says, verse 13, use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. In other words, he's saying, don't be slaves to the law, but also don't be slaves to, the, your, to, don't be slaves to your wrong desires. Uh, look what they do, verses 19 to 21. It's our sinful desires of the flesh, which mean that we treat each other, or we can treat each other, simply as sexual objects who are there to satisfy me. And we devour each other. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, carousing. We try to be in control of what we should not be in control of. Maybe we don't have many idols today, but, but what about sorcery? You know, superstitions, horoscopes, little rituals that we think we have to do and that get a grip on us. They eat us up. They put so much pressure on us because we're trying to control the uncontrollable. There's a story told about an early English king who thought he was so powerful that he could hold back the tide. So King Canute went to the seashore, ordered his servants to bring his throne and place it at the edge of the sea, and he sat in it, and he commanded the sea, to, the tide, to stop coming in. And he got his feet wet. Forget it. Just talk to the God who loves us, who knows all things, and who does have authority over all things. And it's the desire to have more and more, and to be more and more, that leads us to enmity, jealousy, envy, anger, strife, quarrels, dissensions, factions. And then, and then things like drink are great. They are great. They are a gift from God. But when they get a grip on us, when they control us, 
they destroy us. It is such a picture of the way that sin can get a grip and a control on our lives. I received last week a letter full of shame and self-loathing from someone whose life and the lives of those who love him have been devastated because of his drinking. In the end, it is the desires of the flesh which mean that we bite and devour each other and which mean that in the end we end up being eaten up by ourselves. It's very interesting. Paul here says, I want you to be free from the law. Don't be slaves to the law. He says, I want you to be free from the desires of the flesh. I want, don't want you to be in slavery to, to, to self-indulgence. But he does say one thing where he does want us to be slaves. He says, I want you to be slaves in love to one another. How? How is that possible? How can I be free from the law? Malcolm, you say, you know, that I don't have to do any of that stuff. Uh, and yet, uh, how at the same time can I be free from my self-indulgence, from the desires of the flesh? I mean, if you take away the law, what, what, what is there to stop me from, from doing whatever I want, even if I don't particularly want to do it? Uh, and the secret lies in the Holy Spirit. When a person chooses to turn to God to reject the works of the flesh and receives the free gift of forgiveness and acceptance, they also receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit who comes into us, who begins to work in us, who begins to change our desires so that we begin to want to do the things of God. Paul is not saying that when a person becomes a Christian, when we receive the grace and goodness and mercy of God, that we will immediately become perfect. We may begin to desire to be perfect, to desire to be holy and blameless and true and righteous, but this is something that will take time. He talks of the fruits of the Spirit. Fruits take time to grow. But once the seed has been sown, then provided we allow it to grow, it will grow. And in time it will produce those beautiful fruits in the garden of our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. May I suggest, if you're somebody who does learn verses of the Bible, that's a verse you really should know. There you are, I've said should know. <laughs> that's a verse that's really helpful to know. If, if you're somebody who doesn't, it is a really, really good practice. And it does, can be so, so helpful. And that's a great verse to learn. And so as we live by the Spirit, verse 16, 25, as we're led by the Spirit, verse 18, as we're guided by the Spirit, another version is as we keep in step with the Spirit, so we will begin to change. Not only what we do will change, but our desires will begin to change. What we want will begin to change. Augustine famously said, it is a mistranslation, but it gets the gist of what he is saying. Love God 
and do what you will. Love God and then do whatever you want to do. Let me illustrate it like this. There aren't the Ten Commandments of life. You know, there is not a commandment that says, Thou shalt breathe, thou shalt eat, thou shalt sleep. We do those things anyway. They come naturally. We freely do them. So when we receive the love of God and God puts his love in us, when we choose to say, yes, I want to love God, then we no longer need, for instance, the Ten Commandments. We don't need the law. Not because the things they tell us to do are wrong, but because it's now not necessary. If the love of God is living in us, then since love is the fulfilling of all the commandments, then by nature we will begin to want to do what the law says. Now please do not get me wrong. I am not saying that there is no need for discipline or duty in the Christian life. It is simply about, I'm not saying that it's simply about doing what we want to do. Paul and the New Testament writers would never say that. There will be many times when, even as a committed Christian, you do not want to talk with your Heavenly Father, or come to church, or give, or read the Bible. It may be because you have had a great hurt or a bereavement. It may be because you are clinically depressed. It may be because you are exhausted. And it's at times like that when we need to cling on, if you like, with our fingernails, or at least allow God to cling on to us. And the rules or the guidelines of the church can become helpful. Saying morning prayer, reading a psalm, praying the Lord's Prayer, meeting with others, receiving communion. I watched um, a couple of weeks ago an interview when the Archbishop of Canterbury was talking about a time, in fact, before he had become a clergyman, when he had been captured by rebel militia in Nigeria. They threatened him with death and he did not know whether he was going to live or to die. He said that he could not pray. His head was in too much turmoil to know how to pray. But he said what was incredibly helpful was the fact that he knew the, the morning, morning office, the daily morning prayer. And he was able to say that and use that. And as C.S. Lewis said, often in the Christian life, we have to do something today as a duty in the hope that tomorrow we will do it freely and with great joy. And of course, in this life, there will always be a battle between the desires of the flesh and the spirit. That becomes inevitable when you accept the love of God and the gift of the spirit and declare that you want to be free from slavery to the destructive desires of the flesh. And you will be torn in two. And you may well fail. And you may well give in. You may well mess yourself up time again, time and time again, and mess others up. And you'll hate yourself for it. 
but and this is the thing that i really want to stress to you from this passage today and i think this is something that is really important for many of us here to hear we need to hear this even if you mess up it makes absolutely no difference to who you are in jesus if you have come to him if you have uh if you have i mean the words phrased here crucified the flesh with its desires if you've said no i'm not going to be a slave to the desires of the flesh and if you have said yes to his love yes to living for him you have if you have received his forgiveness and the holy spirit as a free free gift then you may be unshaved and smelly your room may be in a total wreck but he still loves you he still loves you and you're still part of the family 